know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation, episode 118. And I'm continuing this series talking about trauma and talking about the TNT survivor journey groups. And I talked about um, the first journey, if you remember, uh, came to believe that I'm not living a life of choice and freedom, but a life filled of traps and trappings and that this can change. And so having survivors understand that truth that their life can change was what the first journey was all about. The second journey made a decision to gain the support I need to reclaim my own power, choice, and voice. That journey, in that journey, they develop, TNT members develop their bomb squad. If you remember, they get their selected trauma treatment therapist, their case manager, their NA or AA sponsor if they need one their trauma-focused yoga instructor, and anyone else that they believe would be a positive support system, formal support system in their life. The third journey is works through my trauma and consistently combats my triggers. And so this is really where they go to the heart of the matter and start working specifically on trauma. So we talked about uh, in these episodes, we talked about the difference between trauma-informed care and trauma treatment. We talked about the purpose of trauma-informed care, um, I think in episode 109. And then we talked specifically about trauma treatments in episode uh, 110. But as we engage in trauma-informed care, it we're trying to be careful not to trigger victims of trauma. That's the purpose of trauma-informed care is to not trigger um, trauma. But what is a trigger? Because some of us might be out there thinking, yeah, I don't want to trigger anybody, but I don't, I'm not even sure I know what a trigger is. So Triggers are any sort of experience that reminds your mind or your body about your past trauma. So triggers are normal for anybody that has experienced trauma. A trigger can be anything from a smell of something to a feeling to visiting someplace, um, a color of something, a thought, a word, or anything that can subconsciously or unconsciously connect itself to your past trauma. So a trauma can make you feel anxious and depressed, uncomfortable, afraid, angry, numb, or any number of ways. So identifying your particular triggers, that's critical to recovery. So once you understand and identify that what triggers you, then you can learn 
ways to deal with it. So when trauma happens, it can be so overwhelming to the psyche that part of you leaves the scene of the crime. And so that's why some traumas, some triggers associated with traumas are known to the person. I was just talking to a friend who said, you know, it took years. She had a bad car accident in the rain and it took years for her to get in the car and, you know, ride with somebody or even drive when it was raining, particularly when it was dark, because she knew that that was associated. That's how her trauma occurred. She was very conscious about that and, you know, did not want to get in the car. And it took several years. Now she's able to do it. But some of our traumatic experiences, the triggers associated with those aren't even known to us. So if you think back to something horrific that may have happened in your life, hopefully you can't remember anything, but if you think back to something that may have happened, maybe somebody died and you got the news or the doctor delivered some horrible news to you about you or someone you love or, or something tragic happened before your very eyes and you jumped in action, you did all the things that you could do to help. But then much later on, maybe even today, some of the details about what happened, you don't remember. And that's why they say, you know, if, when the doctor says bring someone with you to, to the appointment, they know that some trauma is about to be delivered to you and you're not going to hear everything and you're not going to remember everything. So um, and maybe in your experience, you mainly Remember basically what people told you um, what happened. And so there are gaps in your memory when trauma happens. Um, some people don't remember anything. Some people remember some things, but people might react to a certain smell or a feeling or a place or a shape of something, a hallway. Um, and it could be subconscious, it could be unconscious, it could be conscious, um, but it's something that triggers you. So, and there are some types of triggers that we can't possibly prevent as we become trauma-informed because they're just so specific to the situation, but we want to be trauma-informed so that we're not doing anything that in our words, in our engagement that we know is going to traumatize someone. So, um, and we knew a lot about post-traumatic stress disorder with returning soldiers, but trauma really became a big thing when a study was done in an obesity clinic in San Diego, and it started around 1985, and it became known as the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. So it started in San Diego by this Dr. Vincent Felitti. And um, it started because he ran an obesity clinic and he had lots of patients, but he couldn't figure out why over 50% of his patients would drop out of his obesity clinic. And this was a clinic for, I mean, you had to be minimally, minimally you wanted to lose at least 30 pounds. But these were people that were severely obese. 
five, 600 pounds, 300 pounds. And some of them would come in and they'd be successful. They'd lose about 100 pounds and still would drop out. So it was driving him absolutely crazy. Why are these people dropping out? And he started to study it. And he ended up enrolling about 17,000 people uh, in this study and doing this study for about a total of 25 years. So it's called the ACE study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, because what he started to learn was that um, it wasn't just uh, that people's present day experiences was causing them to either be obese or to drop out of the study. It was experiences of trauma that they had much earlier on, earlier in their life that was affecting because people would lose a hundred pounds. And then in a matter of months, you know, they would regain all the weight back. And so he developed this 10 question um, ACE test it's called. And I want to ask you those questions because what it tells you is it tell, it gives you your trauma score and what's important about your trauma score a whole hell of a lot. I'm going to explain that as soon as I give you this quiz. So the first question is, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down or humiliate you or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? No or yes. If yes, then score one point. Question two. Did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you or even hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? If no, record zero. If yes, enter one. Number three, did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch or fondle you or have you touch their body in a sexual way or attempt or actually have oral, anal, or vaginal intercourse with you? If yes, score one. No, score zero. Question number four, did you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special, or your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support each other? If no, zero. If yes, one. Question five, did you often or very often feel that you didn't have enough to eat? had to wear dirty clothes or had no one to protect you or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it? No, zero, yes, score one. Question six, were your parents ever separated or divorced? If no, zero, if yes, one. Was your mother or stepmother often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her? or sometimes often or very often kicked, bitten, hit with a fist or hit with something hard or ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes or threatened with a gun or knife? If no, zero, if yes, one to any of those. Uh, number eight, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker, alcoholic or who used street drugs? No, zero, yes, one. Question nine, was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member attempt suicide? 
If no, zero. If yes, score one. Question 10, did a household member go to prison? If no, zero, yes, enter one. Then add up the scores and this is your ACE score. Hey, before we continue the episode, I wanna let you know of three courses I offer. Effective Case Management with Human Trafficking Survivors, the TNT Survivor Journey Groups, and the Best Life Human Trafficking Prevention course for girls that are at risk. Raising awareness around human trafficking is a great start. Hanging up flyers, having fundraisers, doing human trafficking presentations, or even joining an anti-trafficking coalition or commission or student group. But it simply isn't enough. If you or your group aren't touching the lives of survivors or those at risk in meaningful and healing ways, you're missing a critical component. I want you to get back to the reasons you joined the anti-trafficking fight in the first place. The reason you joined that coalition or that commission or that student group. You wanted to make a difference, but maybe you didn't know exactly what to do and so presentations seemed doable. Why? Because you had the knowledge and skills to do it. Well, if you're really ready to get directly involved and help change the lives of others for the better, then this is an important message for you. I have almost 30 years experience working with survivors and studying the issue, and I'm circling back to help you become effective and confident in your ability to work with survivors of commercial sexual violence. I wrote a few books, developed some courses that would love to train you on how to be involved directly. Just go to my website, CeliaWilliamson.com and check out my webinars. Learn a little more about how you can become knowledgeable and skilled to actually work with survivors using my trauma-informed courses. And now, on with the podcast. Now, don't be alarmed because most people, at least two-thirds of the population, has an A score of at least one. However, the more your A score goes higher, then the more chances there are that you're gonna be affected by chronic disease, violence, mental illness, and all the risk factors. Now that's not to say that you can't mitigate those risk factors and do something now that helps you maintain good emotional, physical, and mental health and well-being. But the more ACEs you have, then the greater risk of chronic disease, mental illness, violence, or being a victim of violence. So each type of trauma counts as one. So we need to be aware of our ACE score, just like we're aware of our cholesterol score, or you know, if we have diabetes, our HC1, our uh, H1C, whatever you call it, we need to be aware of our, you know, um, hypertension and the, all the things that we need to be aware of. We also need to know what our A score is. For example, people that have an A score of four are twice as likely to be smokers. They're seven times more likely to become alcoholics. If you have an ACE score of four, it increases your risk for emphysema, for chronic bronchitis, uh, nearly 400%. 
nearly 1,200% at risk of attempting suicide. People with an ACE score uh, of four or higher are likely to have more marriages, likely to be more violent, likely to have more broken bones, likely to have more drug prescriptions, more depression, more audio, autoimmune diseases. Um, and people with an ACE score of six or higher have the chance of shortening their lifespan by up to 20 years. So ACE really affects us greatly. It affects the workplace uh, absenteeism. It affects the cost of healthcare. It affects uh, our emergency response, our mental health, our criminal justice system. Um, and it contributes to um, physical, social, and economic health of our communities. Now, approximately over 40% of the population had an A score of zero. Um, about, let's see, 8.2% of the population had an A score of about three. 5.7% of the population had an A score of four. 3.8% of the population had an A score of five. 2% of the population had an A score of six. 1% of the population had an A score of 7.3, had an A score of eight and higher. So if you had an A score of three, four, or higher, um, not many in the population have a score like that, but that means that you have suffered significant levels of trauma. In our community, uh, we ask survivors enrolled in our programming to take the ACE um, questionnaire. And we have an average, our, our survivors average an ACE score of six. So that is a tremendous score. It starts to affect quality of life. Um, it is, certainly affects internal joy and it can take years off of your life. You know, not to alarm you, but it's interesting and it's critical that we understand if we have trauma, that we need to address it. We need to address it with trauma treatment modalities that have been studied and are effective or at least more effective than just going to counseling or going to therapy. And so when we talk about the truth and transformation survivors journey groups in you know, the third journey, someone is addressing their trauma directly and head on with the trauma treatment therapist, and they're working through their triggers in um, the survivor journey groups. Why? Because we need daily practice. We need more intensity, more intentionality. And they're working in their journals and they're processing and they're talking in groups and they're gaining the support from other people in the group to um, cope with their trauma, to develop coping skills, and to start to intentionally work through their trauma so that they can experience joy, so that they can address not only the emotional and psychological triggers, but also quality of life in terms of chronic illness and uh, healthcare concerns and now that we know 
that that particular train is on the track, we can slow that train down to a crawl. We can do things with our health, with our day, with our emotions, learn to emotionally regulate. We can exercise. We can eat healthy. We can sleep regularly. We can do things that even though that risk factor is there, we can slow that train down to a crawl. So <laughs> I know that I have experienced trauma in my life. And so instead of being deni in denial about it, I know the train's on the track. And I'm going to slow that sucker down to a crawl, hoping it never, ever reaches me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's what the TNT survivor journey, third journey is all about is not being in denial, but knowing that you've suffered trauma, accepting that you've suffered trauma, and then actively taking the power, the control, the voice, and the choice, and creating situations where I can process my trauma, I can deal with my trauma, I can minimize the triggers associated with my trauma. And that is what the third journey is about. And that's why it's so critically important. It's not like we, you know, it reminds me of my mother used to smoke cigarettes. She'd smoke a pack a day for, you know, 60 years or, or so and until she couldn't breathe. And she went into the doctor and then she was on oxygen the rest of her life and, you know, uh, had COPD, um, but was in denial the whole time, knew what cigarettes would do. Uh, but was in denial about, well, that's not going to happen to me. It's really not associated with me. No, it's totally going to happen. It's totally about you. So when we get clear, when we come out of denial, then we can understand that, yes, I have some risk factors in my life, but wow, I'm going to do some things actively that are within my power and control to make my life as healthy and to experience joy and to have the quality of life that I want because I have the power to make that happen. So my score is a two or three. I can't, I can't make up my mind whether I want to score a two or a three. So I consider myself very lucky um, given my background. But without recognizing your trauma and doing your trauma work, You'll go through life clenching your jaw sometimes and clawing your way through life. Um, you sometimes see the world as a scary place where you always have to defend yourself because someone may or may not take advantage of you. It's hard to relax and enjoy your life if you're always on guard. Life is beautiful. There are many ways to enjoy it. Going through life always on guard is not a way to do it. Um, Life is not meant to be lived on guard all the time. So throughout your life, there are lessons that you are meant to learn, of, of course, but you can't partake in the lessons and learn from them when you're preoccupied with not getting hurt again or avoiding your trauma. Um, there's also opportunities in life that will be presented to you and every opportunity will seem too scary and overwhelming when you have trauma that's unattended. And that's really, really no way to live. So in Alcoholics Anonymous, they call it 
kind of white knuckling it through life or being a dry drunk. You haven't learned the lessons. You haven't recovered. You've just stopped drinking. The same applies here. Perhaps you're no longer being victimized, but you haven't started to truly recover and live until you address and resolve your trauma. So once again, when we're working with survivors, like it's awesome to connect them to housing and food and clothing and lawyers and physicians and clinics and things like that, that they need. But we also have to attend to the internal healing from trauma if we really want to increase their joy and their life opportunities and health and well-being, their emotional, mental, and physical health and well-being. So next week, I'm going to talk about, you know, the fourth journey. But until then, I hope this made sense to you. And uh, till then, the fight continues. Let's not just do something. Let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.